What's up, everybody? It's Justin here with CBG Radio. We don't need no goddamn sponsors. We're just here to talk about nutrition, fitness, and anything else related. And today, it's me and our co-host, Justina, and we're going to talk about why macros suck. <laughs> we're going to... do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they suck. Uh, so we do want to highlight some of the benefits of macros, why the system was actually developed and why some people have some short-term success with it. And by macros, we don't mean actual, the what a macro means and what your macros are. That is scientifically proven based on calories in, calories out to be effective. And even though right. whether you're gaining weight or you're losing weight, there are macros involved in whatever it is you're doing. You may not be counting them in any way or you don't have a system in place. You may just be losing weight because you're following paleo, whatever it is. But there is a certain number of macros that you're taking in, a certain number of macros are taking out. The system that we are saying sucks and is not a perfect system is calculating macros. Like in MyFitnessPal, for example, we think that this system has a lot of faults to it. And we want to highlight what some of those things are. So, Justina, do you calculate your macros? So... I currently do not. However, before I went to graduate school for molecular nutrition sciences, I did. And personally for me, um, I tend to be an overanalyzer and obsess over numbers. So personally, it was not a good thing for me because one, like you already said, Justin, it's not accurate. And two, for me as an individual who previously did not have the best knowledge on nutrition, um, I really focus too much on counting the macros rather than focusing on exactly how I was fueling my body in the best possible manner. Yeah, it makes sense. So people spend so much time hitting the perfect number in my fitness pal that they're not even registering like how they're sleeping, how they're feeling, how they're performing, uh, what their stress is like, um, you know, all these other things so that a coach or them themselves, if they're doing their macros on their own, can manipulate the macros to be more conducive and act as a catalyst towards people's goals. And like I said before, macros, it's a proven system. Calories in, calories out. We know that this is the baseline of nutrition. It's the if it fits your macros uh, model and that system in general using MyFitnessPal as a tool that has become extremely faulty. And we currently believe that it's no longer the best system out there for people to be using. The one good thing I would say about it is that for a lot of people, it's better than what they were doing prior. Yeah, very right? true. So a lot of people were eating fast food and drinking lots of alcohol, mm -hmm. and then they started calculating macros. And even though they may have been eating a very wide range of foods, maybe foods that aren't so great for you, and it fit in their macros, at least they had the appropriate protein, carbs, and fat, which eventually we know leads to a certain amount of calories. And if that if that calorie count can be kept sustainable for weight loss, people can lose weight. The biggest issue for me, at least, and why I don't calculate macros, and there's another system that I use, which we'll get into in part two of this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason that I don't calculate macros uh, is because I don't think that it's sustainable. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. I personally, again, I'm going to say personally a lot because I feel like everyone can have their own opinions about this stuff. However, one, it's not sustainable. 
And two, like you already said, regardless of the types of macronutrients, so, and what I mean by types is, let's say for fats, we have people who are hitting their macro for fat. However, it could be a ton of saturated fat from fast food, like you said, and from a different standpoint other than weight loss, that's obviously not the best type of fat in the certain ratio that you would most likely get it in. So it's not sustainable in that way too for your body internally. Yeah, I mean, saturated fats in general, as well as other types of fat, the trans fats that you find Mm -hmm. in fast food restaurants and things like that are not conducive to the health side of things, right? Mm -hmm. And even though weight loss may be your primary concern and lowering your body weight may be ideal for you in your particular situation, uh, you want to go about doing it in a better way than eating a bunch of saturated fat and trans fat and fast food, for example. Right. For me, I'm actually going to, sorry, I'm actually going to call out my boyfriend, Anthony on this now. Um, he, he counts his macros. He uses my fitness pal. Yeah. It works for him because it, he says that it, he stays on track for it, Mm -hmm. which I understand that, but he, I I laugh every day because he's like, okay, I have so-and-so amount of fat left. I'm going to just eat ice cream till I get to that. Yeah. So I laugh, but then again, I guess it has to do with different fitness goals. Like you were saying, he personally is trying to gain more muscle and gain more just mass overall. So personally for him, it doesn't really work. Uh, it does work for him. Sorry. Right. Because he's trying to just put mass on. Whereas for most people that we specifically work with, they're trying to lose the weight. Right. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. And I think macros, calculating macros, not macros, but calculating macros in my fitness pal is a great tool for people that are coming from very little experience when it comes to nutrition. They're trying to learn about different food groups and understand like, oh, spaghetti has this many carbohydrate Mm -hmm. and oh, chicken has uh, this little amount of fat in it, right? And I think this allows people to learn a little bit more about food, but it doesn't get them to a point to where they could do it without the app. And that's really the problem, right? So that's Mm -hmm. why I think like, and you can ask Anthony, let's see if he's calculating his macros five years from now. Let's see if he's going into the app. Let's see if he's scanning barcodes five years in a row. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's doing that. I think that there are some people doing that and good luck because I would never be caught calculating. I don't have too much to do, right? Yeah. I I don't have time to do that. And if there are easier systems out there rather than calculating every single gram and getting that dopamine response from hitting your carbohydrates perfectly, you know, I don't think that it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, that reason one is the the biggest reason, mm-hmm. right? If it's not sustainable for you, right? You do it for two weeks, you do it for three weeks. I mean, so many people come to CBG and I'm like, what diets have you tried? What have you done in the past that has worked, that hasn't worked? Um, they're like, oh, well, I calculated macros for about a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, a month? And then what'd you do? So, well, I started, you know, I stopped. Yep. I stopped calculating macros. And it's like, if you cannot calculate macros consistently, Right. And then learn how to stop calculating macros and still get your portion sizes appropriately to keep your body fat set point where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You're going to gain weight back. Uh, and this is why two thirds of people in the United States that start a diet gain all the weight back or more because they didn't find a sustainable solution. And we, I personally don't think macros is a sustainable solution for most people. I agree. And Honestly, what most people also don't realize, and you already know this, Justin, like, just like people assume, like, you know how when you go to a restaurant, some of the menus have 
the calorie count on there for that specific food, that's obviously nowhere near as accurate as it should be for the foods that they're eating because it's different portions and all of that. And a lot of people don't realize that science is never 100% accurate, even for nutrition facts and nutrition labels on the foods that we get in the grocery stores every day. And a lot of the times when we're scanning these barcodes through MyFitnessPal or any macro counting app, those nutrition facts are off by, let's say, what, like 10 to 15% most likely, right? Yeah, I mean, according to the FDA, food labels can be off by like 20%. Yeah. So meaning like a snack bar that has 240 calories can be 200 calories, right? And I believe a study, uh, I believe it was in the uh, journal of the uh, of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics found that commercially prepared foods also have lots of variation. For example, like the Lean Cuisine Shrimp and Angel Hair Pasta said it contains 250 calories, but it actually contained 319 calories, right? So mm -hmm. when people are like, I'm on a system, I have to be perfect with my macros. The reality is, is that not only are the foods that people input in the app that you go and find wrong, because they're not checked by anyone. Also, the foods that you're scanning in terms of labels are also off by several amounts of calories, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I ask, what's the purpose of being perfect with your macros all the time and getting right to the, the gram when they're going to be wrong and you're changing up different foods? I mean, this is another huge reason, at least for me, right? If you're going to use science, calories in, calories out, and, ca and be on point with your macros, but there's inconsistencies with the food labels and the FDA, as well as the app itself. Why are you going through such a rigorous process as to figure exactly. out how much food you're eating? Right. You know? No need for that stress in your life. <laughs> I agree. I mean, you know, and then preparation also matters. So like everyone prepares food differently and they put it in the app and they're, you know, saying that they prepare it a certain way. And then you're out to eat at restaurants and you're trying to calculate your macros, you know? Right. There are people like bringing scales to the restaurant, like fuck out of here. I mean, like, I and, and I've, I've heard like even high level coaches, like coaches that I respect and that I've seen in this game talk about that's our new norm. Nothing's normal now. There's so much food available. Like this is the new norm. Yes. It's not normal to maybe calculate your macros, but it's also not normal for the amount of food we have available. And it's like, dude, that's bullshit. Yeah. Like there are well, other ways, you know, to like, do and get the amount of food that you need to get in and feel fueled properly or lose weight without making people so meticulous and anxious about exactly. hitting the and grams. I'm just going to relate it back to, I think it's the most recent podcast we did before recording this one with Erica. Like I feel as if coaches for athletes need to keep in mind, and I think we've discussed this just on our own in person, that you think the next wave of nutrition coaching will have to have a large component of the psychology factor because we don't want our athletes that we're working with who are professionals to start and form an unhealthy habit and an unhealthy relationship with food by bringing those scales to restaurants. Exactly. And yeah, no, we talked about this a couple of times. We talked about it in the eating disorder podcast that we that we had recently about the psychology around food and the development of eating disorders in general. I mean, I think that, you know, it's a lot on the coach's responsibility for restricting people so much mm -hmm. to hit their macros and give them these specific numbers. If they don't hit these numbers, then they, you know, 
they didn't do the diet right, right? Or they have to eliminate like even elimination-based diets. I mean, this is the root of eating disorders. Like, oh, buddy, you're on keto. Like, you can't have any carbs. Like, what? Like, dude, this is the reason people get and develop eating disorders, Mm -hmm. period. And I think, obviously, when you're on macros, you have more flexible food options. But it is still the responsibility of your coach to let you know, like, okay, look. And to guide you through, like, if they're calculating macros with you, they have to at least tell you to start understand, at least inform you, right? And educate you on what these different foods mean for fuel and how you're using the MyFitnessPal as a tool so that if the app vanished tomorrow, you can still mm-hmm. be on your own and know exactly what you're eating. And there's a really great coach that I interviewed on the podcast, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. Her name's Tracy Tucker. And she actually does this. Like she helps people with macros specifically, but she does also habit-based coaching to have them understand the system behind macros and calculating macronutrients, which can be extremely beneficial. Right. I love Tracy. I can't wait to have a podcast with her where we're all together talking about nutrition because oh, I miss her so much. The conversations we had at up in Syracuse, they were always great. Yeah, no, she she uh, she's awesome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she, she has a really great system that's habit-based coaching and she uses the MyFitnessPal and macros as a tool. I think that that's great. But if you're out there and you have a coach who just throws your numbers and says, mm-hmm. you know, let me see your MyFitnessPal and they're running through your numbers and like everything looks good. What you're going to do to hit that 30 grams of fat at the end of the day, two tablespoons of olive oil, like yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, you shouldn't have to do that. So uh, this is, is one thing. If you have a really great coach that's teaching you about macros, I think that that's a, a really cool thing. But if not, and you're just kind of tracking and you're not able to find anything sustainable after you're calculating macros through that app, then you're going to need to find something else that, you know, is a little bit more intuitive for you and molds together with your lifestyle because you can't really track in that app forever. Just not realistic. Absolutely. You know, and all of these reasons that we touch upon in this podcast specifically, I feel like it's always going to go back to that number one reason. And that's just the sustainability factor. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when it comes to sustainability and consistency, we know that those principles are our strongest, strongest points for any of our goals when it comes to weight loss or anything else. So absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you talked about this a little bit already, but when you're doing if it fits your macros, right, this means you have a protein amount in grams, carb amount in grams and fat amount in grams, right? You're tracking through the app, what you're eating throughout the day, and it's slowly knocking off the protein, carbs, and fat, and it's telling you what you have left, right? And the idea behind it is that you cannot be so restrictive with your food choices, which I believe in some cases can be a good thing for people, right? Right. But that system is also not perfect, right? To be able to eat cake, beef jerky, and candy, processed dairy, they impact your health, mm-hmm. right? And they impact specifically your gut. So foods with low micronutrient density, can affect the gut and the hundred trillion microorganisms that are in your gut. And come on, I mean, if you want a proper balance of your, you know, your gut flora, you know, this, it's not going to work eating ice cream, pop tarts and beef jerky. And this can affect eventually your digestion absorption of a lot of different foods, which we know can affect performance, fatigue, sleep, stress, all the things that we know uh, regulate hormone patterns that 
affect weight loss, which at the end of the day is the goal for a lot of people, right? To look better, perform better, whatever it might be. So that's the reason that the flexible system is sort of a double-edged sword when you can eat whatever you want. And I'm not saying that we can't incorporate refeed meals and cheat meals for people that want to go outside of a food composition list and have whatever they want. I think that that's probably a little bit more healthy for people and still allows the flexibility, but absolutely. And you literally, you took the words out of my mouth before when you were talking about our gut microbiome and all that stuff, because, and we will touch upon it in part two of this podcast, but I can't stress it enough. It is so important to not only listen to how your body feels when you eat specific foods, if we're trying to be flexible with our macros and what types of foods hit our macros, but it's also super important to listen to our bodies and how we feel because our bodies are all different individually and we are all programmed in different ways as to what foods we process better and what macros we process better. I don't want to give too much away because that's going to be in part two, but I just yeah. wanted to shove that in there too. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we already really touched on on reason five a bit is, uh, yeah, a lot of people focus on hitting the amounts. Like that's their main goal. It becomes their main goal is just to hit the amount that they forget about why they're doing in the first place. You exactly. Know? And they miss out on a lot of other things like, um, you know, whether their body composition is actually improving from a body fat to muscle uh, you know, ratio, right. Uh, alcohol consumption, nutrient timing. And, you know, like I said, some people are at the end of the day, literally have 50 grams of fat only left. Like, yeah. What just get you... that tub of ice cream out. Yeah. Just come on. <laughs> <laughs> or olive oil. I've literally, Ugh. people are, God bless anyone who actually does that. There are people that do it. Absolutely. Seriously. 100%. Oh my God. Ugh. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent people that do that because they, they, like, come on, like, there's no unhealthier relationship with food than that. I would die. Doesn't make any sense. I think the the last thing really is um, there are unhealthy food behaviors that can result. So a lot of people cannot eat a particular, especially high calorically dense foods in moderation. Yeah. Right. And this is where it comes from uh, homeostatic eating and non-homeostatic eating. So like homeostatic eating is us as humans eating what we need to fuel our bodies appropriately and that's it and non-homeostatic eating is doing more than what we need to fuel our body so like we're at a party and there are chips and dip and we're not hungry but we're eating the chips Mm -hmm. and dip because they're there everyone else is eating chips and dip we're having a good time that's non-homeostatic eating and as humans we have developed this because of our ancestors we right we want to pack in as many calories at one time as possible because we didn't know the next time we were going to eat, right? So that's sort of something that we're paying the price for now, right? And right. now we end up having all this food available. And now the, you know, back in the day when they didn't have as much food available, it was the kings and lords yeah. that were fat and the peasants that were skinny. And now it's totally reversed, isn't that insane? Yeah. How times have changed. Now everyone that's rich and has the money for right. a personal trainer to get the right foods in, to uh, have the time to prep foods, are in shape. And then right. the you know other people that are in, in more unfortunate cases, they have access to these low micronutrient dense foods, high calorie foods, and they they end up being the population that uh, suffers as far as obesity and other health-based diseases. And, you know, it, it really, if you are going to 
just to 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 end sort of the you know the double edged sword with calculating macros is you know you just got to hire if you have a coach that's helping you through that you just got to you know make sure that you ask the right questions and make sure that you trust that they know what they're doing to teach you something long term like when you start with them ask them like i can't calculate these macros forever so right when we're done working together in 6 months what's the game plan for me right how are mm-hmm. you going to teach me to utilize the app as a tool and then also when I don't have the app available or I decide that I just want to maintain my goals, not use the app, right? And there are good coaches out there that are doing that, that are cycling between helping people use the app and not use the app to keep them sort of on target and uh, accountable. But if you have someone kind of just telling you to use the app, let me check your MyFitnessPal. And unfortunately, you know, coaches are busy. There are a lot of coaches doing that and they don't actually put the time and invest the time into educating anyone. So absolutely. That's sort nutrition of nutrition uh, education is key. It's key. I think it's the reason to sign up with a nutrition coach mm-hmm. is to understand how to be your own nutrition coach, not to be a nutrition coach for others. Exactly. Um, there are courses out there to do that if you're interested in being a nutrition coach, but you can start to guide yourself through. That's what you pay a nutrition coach for. And along with like hitting your goals and sort of some other things. So um, biggest thing, if it's sustainable, use it. Otherwise, there's got to be an easier way. And that's what we're going to talk about in next week's podcast of part two of how and why macros suck. So stay tuned and we'll see you guys next time.